Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green, joined by our esteemed co-host, Kevin Harrington, inventor of the infomercial and original shark on the hit TV series, Shark Tank. Kevin, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Seth, great to be here. Looking forward to a special guest today. Yes, we have a very special interview with the one and only Neil Twa. Neil, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Great to be here, man. Neil, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Yeah. Go back to the Wayback Machine, right? Um, yes. I've been in e-com since I dropped out of college. <laughs> uh, when I got involved in it, it was because no one could teach me how to do it. So I jumped in the corporate world and went where the money went and followed along for a while, uh, all keeping my side hustle and business. I had game servers on the side back when it was uh, games that had no multiplayer. We were running 20 game servers out of company in Texas so people could multi-talk online with Codex. It was really fun. And then obviously that didn't last too long because, well, they invented the you know game inside, uh, voiceover inside the games. Um, but it always played around it, got a lot in Legion, uh, was in the private and public sector um, doing business uh, with IBM eventually, and then started my own series of management companies. Um, got very good at Legion in the mobile world, um, cut my teeth on that long before it was uh, fun, cool, and we had any kind of interfaces. We were uploading stuff in spreadsheets and uh, watching it go out into the networks and then got into involved in my own products and brand lines. Uh, which led me to understanding that Amazon is a great place to incubate products and brands, test them out. It was just another traffic source. Uh, it was free traffic and it wasn't like free traffic on Google. It was buying traffic. And so I got very uh, interested in that. And so around 2011, I got really uh, busy learning how to make physical products and brands grow on Amazon. 
And that's what I've been doing for the last eight years, uh, building software, systems, technologies, and companies around the Amazon FBA ecosystem. Been a long focus. I am sure the longer version of that story should probably be in a book somewhere. It should, some components of it, I'll leave off. The stuff my mom only cares about, we'll probably not talk about, yeah. <laughs> hey, Neil, so, um, I mean, Amazon has had an amazing uh, growth and yes. so many great opportunities out there. But right. some people say, you know, but I don't, I don't have any products. I don't own any products. So, right. uh, you know, that's the beauty of starting yeah. an Amazon business. You don't need to own products. You can sell other people's products. And you want to talk to that? You can absolutely get started doing that. If you're looking for a way to create some side hustle income and get started in the business, you can absolutely flip other people's products for profit, right? We call it arbitrage. Uh, there's online arbitrage and retail arbitrage, and there's wholesale arbitrage, even wholesale FBA arbitrage. Uh, and of course, the pillar of all of that, in my opinion, is the private label side of the business where you actually take control of the brand, uh, take control of the narrative, and of course, can grow the profits differently and scale differently. But yes, you can absolutely, that's how we got started. We were flipping products uh, and finding them for profit. We were testing the engine to see how fast we could rank it. Uh, you know, In 24 hours, we clear five grand from flipping somebody else's product, and that was a great way to get started. Um, we know now that Amazon really loves brands more uh, than the people who like to play with the system, but it is a great way to still get started in making some side hustle cash. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the other thing too, is, you know, as we all know, there's it's people are building their Amazon businesses and, and these are entrepreneurs that they may or may not really know all the algorithms and all the special things and they, 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 they get out there, they kind of get lucky. They all of a sudden they got a million, $2 million business, but they have an opportunity maybe to sell to somebody, right? I mean, there, there are, there's companies out there that are acquiring Amazon companies. Yeah, right? huge, right? So in the last 18 months, we've seen over 6 billion in capital deployed into acquiring these businesses. So when you're flipping products for profit, that's one way to get started, but ultimately no one wants to buy a job. Uh, they don't want to take on a job. And a lot of those arbitrage businesses do require a lot of time, energy, effort to get those products and to keep moving those products in the system. Uh, unlike Fulfilled by Amazon or FBA, where those products are shipped, managed uh, directly from their warehouses to consumer, uh, shows up, we call it subscribe and spend in my house because uh, the wife is like three to five packages a week. Uh, many of you might be as well. Uh, so it created a really amazing ecosystem to create autonomy and economies of scale that do not require huge warehouses uh, from our side of the fence or even giant employees, or we can do a lot of stuff with virtual assistants. But to even get past that point, I always have to go backwards in time for just a second and answer the question that was posed to me on one of my first coaching calls. It's the one that everybody has. Uh, I got to the coaching call. The gentleman was like, that's great. I get the concepts, but what the hell do I sell on Amazon? And that was the one question that always comes back. It's great to, to see and, and think with the end in mind and always build towards that idea that you're creating an asset. Uh, that you're leveraging your time, capital, investments, et cetera, towards an asset gain at some point, an exit, a leveraged exit, if you will. Uh, but to remember that you got to build a one profitable product that leads to a brand that leads to a profitable company. And so it always starts with that question, what the hell do I sell? Um, and how do I even get started with that first product, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you've sold so many products over the years. Yes. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned navigating those ups and downs? Yeah, it really got away from the concept that I am profit-centered only by self uh, and turning that around to servant leadership uh, and looking at the actual consumer uh, as I would uh, a family member, a person I know, naming that person and getting into who they actually are and determining 
what the value is to them and then looking for a product to actually sell into that value. It's a little bit different. It's kind of a reverse way of going at it. Uh, when you want to grow a business or grow as, uh, aspects of the business, a lot of times, obviously, profit is a big component. Sales are a big component. There's the revenue is vanity aspect of this, right? Um, we call it in profit is sanity and cash flow is king. So at the end of this, what I'm really after is is there a way to get an average order value? Is there a way to get a customer lifetime value tracked and managed and grown to a certain amount with a brand on Amazon? So we was looking at the 90-day cash flow. We're looking at the annual run rate of these businesses. We're seeing it very differently from that perspective. And we're trying to solve a solution. Um, as I'd said before, on, uh, and I say this, you may hear this if you've already listened to me on another podcast, but it's a real simple thing. I don't go after the people who want their teeth pulled for 300 bucks in an hour. I go after the people who are willing to pay 500 bucks to have that tooth out in 10 minutes. And when you look at the different aspect of that demographic, that person is willing to pay different price points for things they consider to be solutions. And so we look for the solution-oriented buy, right? So we look for those folks who are saying, okay, I don't want the $29 cheap Chinese plastic crap I'm going to stick on my butt while I'm climbing up the back of Pikes Peak. I want the $79 gel, gel air cushion with the hole in the middle so it doesn't crunch and munch on my goodies and I can get upside the back of Pikes Peak. And of course, I want the paneers that go with it, the high-end ones, so that all of my $1,000 worth of gear doesn't get destroyed. And I want the better bike handles and the calipers. And you're looking at a different solution-oriented customer level. And that's where we really started to approach branding uh, differently than just product flipping. And when we got into that mode, we started raising our prices, going after a higher affinity markets. And of course, the profitability came after finding those solutions. So we really approached the market, again, from a business perspective that happens to sell e-com and we chose Amazon's FBA system because there's where people are buying in 30 seconds or less, um, which is really gives us an Indian road to that brand. And so it, I, one question that, you know, somebody gets to a point to kind of flatline their growth. Yeah. Um, yep. This is because they don't have the extreme knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you, when you look at, and at a at an Amazon business, and you see that flat line. What what's that telling you, or what 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 are the the chances of being able to take it and run with it from there? Yeah, typically in my experience, uh, most of the Amazon sellers are not really building businesses. They're building what they believe is a concept of a business, but they really haven't applied business management tactics and strategies to it. So at this point, we're looking at people who are afraid to take capital against the business. So capital and undercapitalization is a big component. You hardly ever see them overcapitalized, which is another failure point in business. Uh, what we also see is a lack of real understanding of how to take advantage of the system. They typically don't have enough product or brand diversification. They aren't segmenting their brands into additional uh, brand opportunities, two or three avatar variations. Uh, and of course, they don't understand an iterative product launch cycle that continues to develop that brand and those additional product lines in the marketplace. They make it to the seat and the paneers, but they sort of stop there. And it literally gets down to an understanding of the knowledge and capitalization of that growth. And every time we look at one of these businesses, we see the same five aspects of those businesses and the reason why they didn't grow. When they break past that, seven figures, multi-seven figures, eight figures in 12 months is totally doable. Which is absolutely incredible and life-changing to a lot of people, of course. What, uh, when did you decide to start sharing some of your knowledge and expertise with others and how have you been able to help? Yeah, in simple terms, um, we got successful. We launched eight of these brands. By 2016, we were doing uh, a lot of business. We had made a lot of clients very successful who had come to us and by proxy just said, hey, so-and-so is a friend of yours who said you were selling on Amazon. And that's literally how we got into the client relationship game that we do now. 
Uh, we choose very strategically who we like to work with. Um, we usually only work with 10 people at a time. We're looking for a segment of people who understand uh, diversification. They're into things like um, infinite banking and, and multi-tenant real estate, and they're into passive income revenue streams, and they're looking for ways to diversify or deploy capital in other ways. So we've evolved through sort of the mentor, uh, a coaching sort of thing and into more of the mentoring. Uh, on the business side, we got involved in the coursework for a while. We've had a ton of case studies from people who have been very successful in deploying our five-by-five game plan uh, to understand how to build an iterative game plan of process and profitability. At the end of the day, every unit has to be profitable. Every unit has to be able to order another unit. It has to pay for yourself, your marketing, your shrinkage, your PPC campaigns, and of course, put money in your pocket. And so we only look at products where we know that it's going to pay us a minimum of $20 in profit per unit. Or we look at businesses that have products that match that criteria or can reach that criteria through changing our strategy. So we got involved by literally helping the people around us and it, came, uh, it became a referral-based thing or you got to talk to this guy and who am I talking to? What's Neil? So we haven't done a lot of the big guru marketing kind of crap and that stuff because I really don't care to be known by that. I have a small name and I keep my reputation very tight. Uh, and I don't want to get burned by that kind of stuff. So I've kept it very uh, business oriented. Um, so we do help people in that way, but we're, I usually talk to every person and I'm always looking for the right intent and the right understanding and the right expectations of those people. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? You know, it's the freedom of the business, quite frankly. Um, I had ran uh, businesses that required employees to get economies of scale. They required warehouse and, and office space and all that other stuff. What I really loved and fell in love with the e-com space and, of course, utilizing the uh, FBA system that Amazon had built was the autonomy of creating a lifestyle-based business that still allows great scale and profitability. Don't have to have employees. We have virtual assistants. Don't have to have the warehouse space. We even have 3PLs or third-party logistic firms that hold the warehouse products temporarily before they get shipped to Amazon or get just-in-time inventory capacity. And it's created a fascinating business that literally, I know, eight years ago could not have been done this way. Uh, and in such a short time frame, it's changed so dynamically, and it is changing dynamically to keep up with it, uh, that I you know, live with my uh, four daughters and my beautiful wife and 40 acres in the country. I have time to do the things I want and the money to do it. I can travel for a month away and not have to worry about the business collapsing. Um, it's created a very great hybrid business model with a fantastic economy of scale that doesn't require the 20,000 in warehouse I used to have and the 12 employees and truck rolls that used to happen and all the other crap that goes with it, right? Um, so yeah, I get passionate about e-com because it is the future. I mean, it's the only industry in the last 18 months to grow exponentially when all of the industries suffered. Um, it is projected by 2030 to have over 21 trillion in assets being deployed into e-com. So it is a huge future upside. And I feel like even in eight years, on Amazon and 20 years in e-com that this is just really getting started. The adoption is just starting to become fun. Yeah. Hey, Neil, with Amazon, there's sort of an elephant in the room. They, I mean, they oh, yeah. Amazon is now pushing for equity in some of their vendors. Um, right. And they, they also changed the rules a little bit. Hey, yeah. they, 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 it's the golden rule. He who has the gold sets the rules, right? Yep. But it, there's so many companies that rely on their existence, it, you know, it, the, the model always has to work for most of the people, but is there any risk there at all? Oh, absolutely. With, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the cons. Yeah, no, yeah. there's cons in every business model. I mean, if I'm an airline pilot filing for FedEx and the, all the engines go out, I could die. So every business has a con <laughs> to some degree. Every job has a con, right? Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, Amazon is a marketplace and they're an engine and they have a business and they, they do their business. And what they don't like is people screwing around with that. They don't like you screwing around with their profits. They don't want you screwing around with their brand. Uh, they've killed a billion dollars in revenue this year from 12 companies that were doing just that. They were screwing around with the brand. They were playing with black hat stuff outside the terms of service. Yeah. Uh, in rides a new CEO and a new seller performance VP over all that. And guess what? Compliance kicks in all of a sudden and bam, they're kicking like 200,000 people out of the system. But in any of those cons, what you look at is people who are getting kicked out of the system are not taking you know, business 101, economics 101. They're not literally looking at the system as a business. They're looking as it as a way to just utilize and use Amazon. And when you change the way you approach that, you ride an Amazon slipstream. You're within their terms of service. You run with the compliance. Opportunities are opening uh, now that have never been there before, creating new levels of opportunities that some find a little difficult, to, uh, more difficult to get in now because of those things. But at the same time, they're creating even bigger holes of opportunities for those who could get in there and exploit it. Yeah, it's a little harder to go. And yeah, it takes a little bit more cash, but therein lies the biggest opportunity um, going where the others are not going. So Amazon plays its game. And we play along with it. Yeah, they can shut your account down. They've been known to do that. But when you go backwards, you typically find someone violated the terms of service and did something stupid. <laughs> they didn't play by the rules. Yeah, Amazon, there's a rumor out there. I don't know that it's true, but I looked up the business and it was that they went and stole one of the product brands and put it out there their own and threw it as an Amazon basic brand. Well, you go back and investigate and you find out that company didn't have a brand trademark. While they were brand registered, they didn't have their IP in place, their intellectual property. So they became an opportunity for anyone to go in and take over that product, right? They didn't have their ducks in a row. So we always go in and ensure what are the risks, right? You, you need multi-redundancy in your manufacturing. You need to have a good capital supply chain of leveraged opportunity. If you've got other people's money or you're going to diversify your own capital and deployment, you have to go through those risks like any other business. You can diversify a brand outside of Amazon and open multiple channels. It's so much faster to do it. They're only 31% of the e-com market, although we talk about them a lot. They're still a whole nother world of product to brand, but it's a great place to incubate that product and know the customers want it, the language, the graphics, the traffic, and then it really moves fast outside of that. So yeah, there's cons with the system when you're playing in somebody else's backyard. Facebook's killed my accounts before. Uh, I didn't do a thing to it. You know, Amazon went after Parler here a couple months ago. Uh, it had nothing to do with us. And I got a bunch of people that crawl over my Amazon stuff and got my account shut down. I don't have any, I have people that thought I was Amazon. Um, so, you know, there's that kind of stuff too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, your, your expertise and your knowledge are invaluable. We greatly appreciate you sharing some of them with us. For our folks who are watching or listening, our Sharkpreneur Nation, where is the best place for us to send them for them to learn more about you? Yeah, really simple. Go to voltagedm.com, V-O-L-T-A-G-E-D-M.com. There's another additional little training that gives you some more insight. If you happen to talk to me, which you probably would at some point, just text me the keyword uh, Sharkpreneur. Uh, and if you get to me, I'll know where it came from. Very simple. Awesome. This has been Seth Green with Kevin Harrington. Thanks so much, Neil Twa, for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Thanks, Neil. Good job. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat 
cheap. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.